You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Here at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find, especially our totally low prices. That rosé you recommended was a hit. What should we try for more fun in the sun this weekend? Your friends will love this refreshing sparkling wine. <laughs> Perfect. Wow, that price is refreshing too. Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. With the lowest prices in the DMV. Think responsibly, B21. Hello there, my fine listeners. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. How are you today? Uh, I spent two hours on the phone with various departments of the IRS still trying to get my refund from 2020, which I filed in February of this past year. Originally, they had some issue with identity, who I was, even though I was filing from a place I filed eight years in a row. <clears throat> and the same account that I've been depositing to and all that stuff. But, I mean, imagine someone had tried to apply for my refund to another place and submitted paperwork and things like that. But who knows, right? So this has been going on maybe, let me see, one, two, three, four, four um, three correspondences up until June. And then I don't hear anything from them. So I've been calling them, contacting them. It's a half hour to an hour wait. And today I went to the taxpayer advocate, but that wasn't the one I should go to. I should have went to the IRS and I went to the IRS and I did checked with them and then they transferred me to someone else and after waiting, I had spent like an hour and 15 minutes with the first person. I waited another 45 minutes to an hour. For the second one, the second person comes up and says their computers are down and they can't really help me today. And I asked if I can leave my number and they said they'll send, put in a referral and someone will contact me in a month. <clears throat> so I'll be rolling into, it looks like I'll probably get my payment, the refund in 2022. So almost uh, 10 months, 11 months after originally filing. I'm not, you know what, I realized the government... And people say, Jim, why, why are you being so understanding? Why, what, what's the deal? And he said, well, I don't necessarily know what happened on their end. Right? And I don't know. I, I did work for Treasury for a while, and I realized there's a lot of things they have to verify when something is amiss. So they need to go through old returns and things like that and go back and you have to verify it's you. I mean, it's originally, I hope, I, I wish that they had tried to do that in the beginning if someone had filed for me. 
You know, why, why, you know, here I am having a hard time verifying it's me, but whoever did it the first time didn't have that much difficulty and they probably sent it to a different account if they did. I don't know. But I guess we'll find out if it happened at all. And I'm not complaining and I'm not afraid of the IRS. It's part of the U.S. government and I am one of the people and it represents me. I understand that I paid all my taxes, paid more than my taxes, hence I get a refund. Maybe I have to reevaluate that. You know, you shouldn't be using that as a savings plan. But then again, I'm eventually, I think eventually I'll get that money. But you know what? I could be earning interest on that, doing things with that money, and they're holding it themselves. I don't know if they're doing anything constructive with it. Be nice if they did something. Maybe with the money, if they weren't going to send it, maybe they can upgrade their systems (laughs) at the IRS. But that frustration, I guess, with customer service, if I had taken it out on the people that were dealing with me, I would be a hypocrite, wouldn't I? Because there's times when I'm working at the restaurant where the kitchen is snowed under a ton of orders. And there's people wondering why is it taking so long for their food when it's perfectly understandable to me that I just have to look over. I see a bunch of paper tickets. Yes, we do paper tickets. Um, Everyone does paper tickets. But a POS system where we don't have a POS system. Our POS system is pen and paper. And uh, we have to deal with the things that happen. And the nice thing about not having a POS system, we don't have to worry about power outages or any glitches or going down because all we have to do is write, you know, pen. We have to have a functioning pen and a blank piece of paper. But the problem with that, without automation, we're not getting it streamlined. So we don't have the same abbreviations and things like that. But I, I don't want to veer off to that. I want to veer off to how do we handle these unforeseen problems that happen, like late food or a late return. I have a really good... Uh, I'm optimistic that I will get my... My dad would kick my ass for this. Well, not kick my ass. Literally, he never did that stuff. But he would see, he always says, don't let them save your money. You know what to do with your money. And I use it as a thing like when it comes to summer, when it comes out in April and stuff like that, or you know, April, May, I take it and I use it for, to buy my vacation. Right? I use it as a vacation fund. Kind of like a Christmas account. A Christmas savings account. And that's what this one's becoming, a Christmas savings account, isn't it? So I'd probably get it around, <laughs> I may get it around Christmas. Which is is fine. But how I react to the, <clears throat> excuse me one moment, how I react to the people is, is my doing. It's one thing I can control. I can't control whether I get my return now or in a couple months, right? So what I do is 
there's no reason to get upset because I feel a lot better. I'm a little frustrated. I got a little frustrated, but I got a lot of things handled. I got my ducks in a row. got my paperwork ready to talk to them. And it's funny because they're, the message is that they play when you're waiting for to talk to someone from the IRS. They said, don't become a victim of fraud because we will not contact you by text message or phone or anything like that. Or, you know, it would have to be by, through registered mail or mail. And they remind, they drive that home. Don't, you know, if someone sends you a text message, do not send them something back. Even though they ask you for your email and whether they can text you and things like that. Or I don't know, that could be the text, the tax preparation services. So, but the one thing, like I said, the one thing I can't control is how I react to that. And I could have gotten frustrated and all pissed off and stuff like that. Or I can think, even though I waited two hours, didn't get much accomplished, it, at least my name's in there that this person is still waiting for their return and they're going to be calling them back and they're saying if they can do any, you know. I don't think their wheels move without being instigated for the IRS. Like the return was won't just generate because, oh, this is a nice guy. We'll just send it along because obviously it's him because he's a decent fellow. But they're going to have to talk to me. There's, I know how they operate. They're going to have to talk to me. They're going to have to cross some T's, dot some I's. They've got to have reasonably sure that it's me. So from now on, I guess I'm back to paper returns. Because the last time I tried to do elect, uh, electronic returns. So I'm going to send a paper return next time. I don't know if that will alleviate it. I have to send it right away and say, listen, this is me. I'm going to do it. This is my account. Blah, blah, blah. So, whatever it is. And so that was, it's, I can get frustrated and angry because it's been maybe 15 hours I'm spending on this, 16 hours, but I can also treat it as a lesson, a lesson in patience. And I feel. I this one accomplishment I have today. I didn't accomplish the one thing I wanted to do, but I did accomplish the thing about not getting upset. And then, you know, I did miss out my morning time at the gym, but I can go to the gym. I can go to the gym later. I'm going to hang out a little while and wait till I get a little closer to past noon so I, I can be at the gym, which is near my daughter's high school in Tavernier, so I can go and pick her up after school. If if I have to pick, pick her up, I'll find out later. So, we, as you know in the previous show, we are in the midst of our slower part of seasons, our slow season. We've had a lot of rain today. We had a nice little downpour. My lawn's looking good. The, the way the keys are, they're arid for months. They're dry. It's dry down here. You see it, the trees get... The palm trees seem to really hold up well, but, you know, you see the greenery. It really takes a hit on it. And I do not water my lawn when it's not raining. I try to use very, I don't use any chemicals. I just use a natural lawn. Some of it's weed. I keep it short so it looks neat. Right? Try to keep a natural, a natural lawn. And I use electric, I use electric mower. I'm not... You know, I realize they got to use fuel to power the electricity, to generate the electricity, but that, that's what I do. So, 
Why, how did I get there? How did I get here? Did I fucking get here from there? I'm always talking about the weather. So I right now I have two days off. I have my Monday and Tuesday off. Yesterday I spent the day with my lovely wife. Had a wonderful day with her. Made a nice meal for the family. And spent some quality time together. And today I spent some quality time with the IRS on the phone. And I'm spending a little time with you. But the nice thing about this time of year is a lot of these restaurants around us go on vacation and close for repairs and things like that. We'll eventually do it. We may do it when everyone else is open, though. The nice thing is, is people do the monkey see, monkey do thing, right? When I say monkey see, monkey do, right after Labor Day, they start closing. They wait to either close on the Tuesday after Labor Day or... They wait a week and close, you know, drain down their supplies, which is smart. You don't want to have a lot of perishables if you're a restaurant and close down and lose like fish. You got to blow through your fish. You know, anything frozen can stay frozen. But the things that aren't frozen, your produce, your fish, whatever things like certain milk and, and stuff like that, you have to use up. If you want to close for a week or two, otherwise you're going to eat it. The other restaurant I used to work at uh, down here, they had two restaurants. So what they would do is one would close for four weeks and the other one would close for another four weeks or three, three and a half, four weeks. And it would ship, you know, they would transfer this food from one to the other. So they, there was always a restaurant open and continuously using up the perishables. But the nice thing for places that stay open, the nice thing is that we get a bite of that apple for regulars, the locals. The locals that go to the same place all the time. And they don't like varying because they're they're accustomed to seeing the same people, the people knowing what they want, uh, liking the food that they have. There's some people out there, they're creatures of habit. You know it. I know it. They want the same thing. You're not going to make them happy. They need to be happy at the one place they can go and get their one thing that they like. Their homemade corned beef hash and, you know, spinach quiche, whatever the fuck they eat. They don't like to vary. They don't like, they, they know how to make my drink this way. Oh, they carry this type of liquor. Oh, I like their type of dessert. Well, this person always puts a napkin that covers, I had customers that used to want a napkin on the bar, a linen napkin on the bar, and then their silverware on top of it. And this was a construction guy with his wife. And they used to do mudding, and mudding is one of these things, you know, as a pastime, where you get those... ATVs, those little ATVs, and they go running through the swamps and the mud and get mud all over. But when they're dining, they were very kind of like Howard Hughes-esque. That OCD thing. It's funny. I wondered what what happened during the uh, pandemic with them. If they were one of those people because they were always worried about the cleanliness of the things they have in front of them and, uh, you know, whether if they were masked or non-masked people. But we do, 
the nice thing about this, get back to the point I was trying to make, we get a chance to get a hold of some of these other people. Some of these people that can be made happy, they just never thought of going some new place. Maybe they're not socially, they're shy. And they go to the same place because they just don't want to meet new people. They don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable asking. And you get to see them. And we had one fellow come in, I remember a couple of years ago, and he, you got to remember, I worked within 200 yards of where I work now. I worked at another restaurant. So I lived, uh, I lived and worked in the same neighborhood for, let's say, nine years. Nine, ten years? Yeah. The same neighborhood. Now, Key Largo is small, but when I say within, I lived and worked about... Two years in one place, nine, ten years. I lived within a block of being down here for 14, 15 years, right? And in a couple of years, I lived other places. And then I worked that whole time within 300 yards, 14 years, 15 years. So this, I set the table here. I just explained what the thing. So I pretty much have a good grasp of people that live in the neighborhood, have lived in the neighborhood for at least 15 years, and they go out to eat. Right? So this one fellow comes in, and he asked about our menu, and he sounded like he wasn't a local. So I explained to him, I said, well, you should try mahi, because mahi is one of the local staples here, and you can get it fried, grilled, blackened, or any other preparations in a sandwich or a dinner, or a wrap or tacos. And the guy goes, I know what Mahi is. I lived down the street here for over 20 years. And I went, oh, really? You lived there for 20 years? So obviously, you don't know who I am, right? He goes, no. I've worked here and this other place, the Encore, for 15 years total. What is the deal with you? Were you in were you in jail? Are you a shapeshifter? Are you like now I'm reaching back, like Jack Lemon character in Mr. Roberts. Mr. Roberts was a post it was a Navy ship during World War II. It was a movie about a Navy ship during World War II. It was a supply ship. And Henry Fonda is Mr. Roberts. The commanding officer is James Cagney. I forget the name of the guy who was the doctor, but Jack Lemon was an ensign, kind of like the executive officer on a small supply ship. And at one point, now they they're out for a couple of years. They've been on, they've all been on this ship for a couple of years. And the commanding officer James Cagney runs into Ensign Pulver is his name, Jack Lemon's character, and he goes, "Who are you?" I'm Anson Pulver. He goes, how long have you been on the ship? And he goes, two, three years. And he goes, I've never met you. And it's, I mean, I'm talking about a ship that's like less than 150 feet long. And there's only three officers on it. Or four officers, if you count. Yeah, four officers. The commanding officer, who was a lieutenant commander, the lieutenant, and the ensign, and, and the medical officer. 
So the guy didn't know it. And they go, well, well, we're on a small island. And I was referencing this guy. How the fuck are, have we not met if you lived down the street for 15 years? Have we not seen each other? I know. Here I am all relaxed about dealing with the IRS for a couple hours. And I get all pissy about a guy going, well, you should know me. I'm a local. I'm saying, if you don't go out, if you're like a Ted Kaczynski type person where you're just a hermit, how the fuck am I supposed to know who you are? So we do, but we get people like that. And we get the, we get them often. People that have never been in there and you've never seen. They come walking in and they expect you to know them. They expect you to know them. There's people coming in and they're going saying hi to the owner. And, oh, we know you from hobos and all that stuff. Well, why didn't you come into her new restaurant? You know, the owner. You're waiting eight years. I haven't seen you. You lived here. I, I don't get the expectation of wanting to be treated like a regular if you're not, if you live in the area and you lived in the area for a while. If you haven't been regular. There's tourists that come in. They're there for they're here for five days. And they come in five days. And I get to know them. And you've lived here the whole time I've lived here. And I don't know who you are. And you live down the street. How do you have that expectation? What does your social circle look like? You know? That I haven't ran into you. Now, I'm not out late at night drinking and all that stuff, but I know almost all the drinkers and stuff like that. I know them through descriptions of their exploit. There's people I know of through stories that live in the area that are more familiar to me then people have lived right around the corner from me. And you know how it is. You have neighbors like that. I've been, I have people that moved in seven months ago, eight months ago, and we've gotten to know each other on a first-name basis. I have a friend that moved across the street I knew before, and I know who they are. There's people up the street. You never know. Some neighbors don't want to be known. They don't. You know, you don't have the same likes. You don't hit it off. and just the way it is. I live on a street, small town. You think small towns are super friendly and stuff like that. I know the lady at the end of the street because I used to work with her daughter. And there's a guy that lives on the corner of the street who has a couple trucks and he's always running in Miami. I have no idea what he's doing. I have no idea what he does. He just runs a truck up to Miami. Comes, he has a big panel truck and then he comes back. I have no idea. We we have people. I see a UPS uh, van up front. It's not UPS itself. It's not official UPS van. It's a UPS store van. So I think it's the owner of the UPS store. But I don't know them. There's a young African, a young, a, a guy around my age, African-American man, who just moved in, who's a worker for one of these um, subcontractors that is my neighbor and I know them and the middle aged African American man moved into a distressed property on my street and he did a wonderful job 
cleaning it up. It was an eyesore. And he really cleaned it up. He cleaned up the stone. I mean, Key Largo is one of the few places you could have a million dollar house on, you know, down the street from a derelict property. And this place is a derelict property. It has like two of those uh, trailer homes connected. The roof is precarious at best. You know, you can see tar paper being laid and then painted over and stuff like that. And the, the people that own it are property owners or property or business owners in town. And I don't know how they rent the property. I don't know how the property is still considered viable. Why it wouldn't just be condemned. And we're right across, we're about 300 yards away from our county government building. I don't know how this property still is habitable, considered habitable by the county when it's right there. And you know county people have to go by it every so often just from the proximity. And up until like a year ago, there was a woman that had a drug problem and her and her boyfriend slash husband with a baby, and they used to have social services go in there and stuff like that. And I'm not complaining about that stuff. You know, people have to do that. But I'm and I'm sorry. You know, you have a drug problem and things like that. But when you see police and social services there and stuff like that, you start having questions about it. And the property had a lot of junk on it. But this guy, this guy up the top of the street, he he's real. He's kind of shy but friendly. The middle-aged black guy. And he cleaned the shit out of his property. It still looks like the trailer should be somewhat condemned, but he did his best cleaning it up. That's amazing. And what's amazing also, they probably, the guy, guy said that, oh yeah, we're, I'm cleaning up the property. We got two rooms there, available at $1,200 a month. Holy shit, I'm telling you, if you looked at this property, I'm thinking 200 bucks a month for a room there. Not, I mean, if you wait, I get, I guess if you wager, because, you know, the minimum down here should be a thousand a month, right? But this is substandard housing. So you got to keep on deducting, 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 deducting with substandard. But this guy did a wonderful job. This guy's doing a wonderful job cleaning it up. And my hat's off to him. And I got to know him. But there's other people that lived here for years. You don't get to know him. You don't get to know them. They walk down the streets with their dogs. I know some of the re- some of the people live on other blocks. I'm friendly with them. I know who they are. We stop and talk to each other. We've had them over to our house. I've been over their houses. But there's people that can live right across the street from you you never really spoke to. I guess that's everywhere. You know? Not everyone's going to be your friends. Speaking of that... I'm going to get to the last subject I want to talk about, and that is what, how people behave in, in, in groups. The dy- group dynamics of people's behaviors. And it boils down to individuals. You know someone is individual and you say they're a really nice person, right? You've known this in high school. If you went to college, you've seen it. At places of work, people, depending on their setting, sometimes people, personalities or aspects of their personalities change depending on what group they're in. 
You've seen it with guys. Some guys can be very polite, very polite. Polite to the opposite sex, polite to each other. Very. But if you put them in the fraternity or football fans and things like that with the wrong group of people, then the worst aspects of their personality are enhanced. Or things you didn't even think were there. They could be people that you didn't think were violent. Could be violent in groups. And we know these group condemns called mob mentality. Mob mentality. It's very hard to resist the mob. People have a tendency to move away from things like that. But if you have certain aspects, like the, we saw the worst of it in protests this past year, some of the riots, in particular the one that was really uh, you know, was attended by the then president and some of his minions was the January 6th insurrection. I call it insurrection because it was an insurrection. It would have been a riot if it occurred right at the place they had their rally. But once they went on U.S. government property, the Capitol, and broke in, it was an insurrection. And much worse, it was it was an attempted coup. If you think about people coming in with zip ties, threatening to hurt representatives, and uh, people dying. And you know what? I have no. Once you break into a place, and you're told not to break into it, and you get shot. You know how these people hold them up as you know if someone did something like that, then you're. That, I'm sorry about that woman, but that's that's her fault. The woman that died during it, and the other ones died of heart attacks and shit like that. The what they did, they they participated in insurrection. Now, as you may know some of the people that participated in that January sixth thing, or know of them. There was maybe not everyone that was at that rally went. And not everyone that was at our rally that went, went into the building, but a lot of them did. And they had a propensity for it. They had a propensity for committing property crimes and violent and violence. Do people, is it, do we give them a, a pass when they're in the wrong group? If you're a woman and you're walking down the street, and there's a group of construction workers, you know the scenario? They start doing the cat calling and all that shit. Does that mean each of the guys is a big misogynist? There's one guy that's quiet, but he could be laughing. If he doesn't do anything to stop it, is he complicit? Well, depending on the magnitude. You know, one guy can just go and say, hey, check that out. And they look. Is looking bad? No, it's saying something. It's making the person feel uncomfortable and things like that. People are always going to look. You don't have to leer. You don't have to follow. You have to make feel uncomfortable. So our behavior, and I'm not just talking about negative behavior. How about positive behavior? Is it enhanced by the behavior of the people around you? If you're among a group of people that are doing the right thing, like Habitat for Humanity. Or any one of those groups that actually do good for the 
community, the country at large. Does that reinforce? Does good behavior get reinforced because you're in a group of people that are doing the right thing? The teamwork ethos, where you have positive reinforce, uh, positive personal, positive aspects of your personality are being reinforced by, reinforced by the positive actions of the group. I mean, it must be really hard to be, you, and you see it every so often in, a, uh, in riots and things like that where someone gets knocked down. Let's say, and it has happened, and people go over to help the person that wasn't in it. There was a, uh, and this is anecdotal, there was a white guy who was attacked by he walked into a civil rights protest or a riot, let's call it. And he got knocked down and beat. And then there were people that came in to protect him that were members of the protest that realized the things that were going on wasn't the things that they joined up for. And that's the part that makes you... It's easy to do the right thing when everyone's doing the right thing around you. And when you see people in different groups that purposely go out of their way to do the wrong thing in front of people doing the right thing. Let's say a line at a movie theater and someone goes up and tries to cut in. Well, they're, you know, they, they could have in their head, they have this thing and say, listen, I'm, I'm not going to wait in this line. I need to go up there. I'm friends with so-and-so, you know. There's other people, they just don't, they just don't go for it. And they, it happens in the good side and the bad side. And you have to be really self-actualized to be able to resist the negative response. Right? To resist the negative response. I've seen it in a restaurant. When things are going wrong, people pile on and they see other people doing things. When they complain about their food not being right or someone screws up, something like that, and they all join in. Like when someone breaks a glass. You know that guy, a worker, when they drop a tray of drinks? That worker is mortified. Is mortified more likely than not. If they're not, they may have a problem. You know, if they're not slightly mortified or slightly embarrassed, they may have a promise like, hey, you know, they could have had it knocked out and say, hey, listen, it wasn't my fault. This person came and knocked the tray out of my hand. But what happens when someone's working and they drop a whole tray? They're embarrassed. They're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to make this up. I may have to pay for it, blah, blah, blah. Most likely they won't have to pay for it unless the owner is a total asshole. And the person, you know, try, is trying their best. But the cheer when that happens, you know, if you're not like mortified for that person, that's like a lack of empathy. It's like going, oh, you know, when you break something like that, you, go, you know what? I don't feel really good about myself now. Thanks for celebrating that. Thanks for celebrating my anxiety. 
And that makes you a less than exemplary person. So when that poor guy at the grocery store or woman is building a display, right? Of cases of, let's say, cases of beer and stacking it up. And someone hits the display and it starts falling down and people start cheering. That's bullshit. Have a little empathy. I'm saying, you know, if you're, there's sometimes people doing the wrong thing and you, you, it's, they get their comeuppance, right? But when someone's trying to do their job or the right thing and you're cheering against them, you're the problem. Not the person that made a mistake. I'm not telling you how to be, but, you know, flipping out on someone who's having a bad day. A, let's say you're, at the, um, go back to the grocery store. You're a checkout person. And you have tons of people in your line. And there's no other checkout people and it's backed up. And people are anxious behind you. And then you have a person in line and they get... You know, there's no prices on any item anymore, except for like meat, right? So they got to scan it. And if it doesn't come up, if it's not in the system, there's nothing for them to do other than try to look up, call for a price check, go and check to see where it is. Oh, this is on sale. Well, it doesn't say it's on sale here, blah, 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 blah. Those people in the back of the line, they're taking it personally and they're taking it out. They're thinking either taking it out on the person that's checking out or the people that's doing the checking. It's neither their fault. Now, if you're, there are special circumstances. If you're, you have a lot of people in line and you just waited, you just have all your stuff and you forgot one thing and you see there's 10 people behind you. With loaded carts too. And you have to go back and get, oh, I've, I got to get saltine crackers for my parakeet. Well, what I would do is I'd go check that thing out, move it up to the front register where they have the managers and all that stuff, leave it there, and go and get the saltine crackers and pay for it at the front register. Don't hold everyone up while you go back running. I know there's special circumstances when people are in a hurry, but if you're shopping and you got like two full carts of food and stuff like that, you're not in that big a hurry. I know there are exceptions. But our behavior does not have to be dictated by the lowest common denominator of the behavior of the people behind us. And we don't need to have people acting heroically around for us to act heroically. It's easy to be heroic when other people are being heroic, right? It's good. It's a good example. I applaud that. But I'm saying you can be that way when no one is. Otherwise, we'd, in natural disasters, every, it would be every man, person for themselves. I almost said every man for himself. Every person for themselves. Be like on the fucking Titanic where everyone's trying to climb on the boat and not letting someone else get on the boat. The lifeboat. Or, you know, like Kate Winslet. Leonardo DiCaprio could not climb on the 
whatever the headboard or whatever the floating thing was. <laughs> you, you, you do not have to dictate your behavior by what the group did. And matter of fact, the more bold you are in the positive, and I'm not talking about everyone's acting great and you're the asshole. Oh, that really cements it. You're putting lacquer over that and say, you are definitely an asshole if you're the one doing that. And there's all sorts of reasons for that sometimes, but if you do it repeatedly, you most certainly are the asshole. But you really want to stand out. When people are not behaving well, you behave well. I'm not telling you to take one on the chin when something's wrong occurring and not pointing it out. I'm talking about there's certain situations. And I'll end it that way. I, what was it, three years ago, I'm on the plane uh, with the family. We're going to Poland. And the airliner is sitting on a tarmac for like 45 minutes, 50 minutes because of, a, I think, maybe a thunderstorm. And they don't have the regular turbines going to power up the AC. It's summertime in Miami on an airliner without any AC, a big aluminum tube. And you can imagine what the temperature was like in there. It was hot, but they were sitting down and there was water. And people started getting grumpy. You knew it wasn't an opt-in situation. You knew the flight attendants didn't have anything to do with it. I know the pilot didn't choose. Well, we're not going to put the AC on. You know, there was all sorts of reasons why they didn't do it. I don't know why they didn't do it. But there was probably a good reason. Because that would be probably the first thing you say. Hey, crank that AC. Make sure there's, you know, we, we're venting. But it didn't happen. And people started getting crazy. You know, one girl started fainting and, you know, this thing, the heat. It wasn't like a 300-pound girl. It was a little, a young 15, 16-year-old teenager that was overacting. And I didn't jump on her, but there were other people. And the other people started yelling at, they started yelling at the flight attendants. What does a flight attendant have to do with that? It's like yelling at someone whose car is starting to break down. Now, there could be neglect of the maintenance of the car and all that stuff like that. But that's maybe it has nothing to do with the flight attendant. Just like the backup at the toll booth probably doesn't have anything to do with the person in the toll booth. Okay? Or maybe the person in the car that's at the toll booth. They may have forgot to bring money. Yes, it happens sometimes. It doesn't make them a horrible person. So let's not pile on. Let's try to be, instead of being the people that go along with the crowd that starts cheering when someone drops a stack of plates or does something embarrassing, let's show a little empathy and let's be a little more heroic. Let's go against the grain. It's a tough time right now. It's a tough time right now. And people are just getting fucking crazy. But on that lighter note, I'd like to thank you for listening. <laughs> I didn't mean to end it like that. Because I believe a lot of you people that are listeners are the right sort of people that wouldn't do those things. And I'm just reinforcing the things you already know. 
And I'd like to thank you for listening. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. If you have any missives or communications you'd like to make, please call, call me. Please email me at jim at keysbartender.com. That's jim at keysbartender.com. If you'd like to be... If you would like to be a sponsor of the show, just contact us, send me an email, or you know, you can go to the website, www.keysbartender.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll talk to you later. Have a great day. Let's play a little music for you. Bye. With prices soaring at the pump, filling up can be stressful. That's why Discover has your back with cashback. Use Discover to earn 5% cashback at gas stations and Target, now through June, on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cashback this quarter with your Discover It card. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards. And now an update on what some analysts and reporters are calling the Great Resignation and the upside of it all. As many as 44% of workers are leaving their 9-to-5s behind and looking for life hacks to make up the difference in income as they pursue other jobs. And as that number grows, so have downloads of an app called Upside. It's a free app for cash back on gas, groceries, and at restaurants. Can an app like Upside really make a difference? You bet. With Upside, users can earn an average of $96 a year. And it works at all the big gas brands like Shell, BP, Valero, Phillips 66, Circle K, etc. And at favorite local grocers and restaurants. Everyone's got to drive and eat, right? If you want to get in on this life hack, we have a promo code for you. Head to the App Store or Google Play and download Upside. Enter code HACK to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use code HACK.